Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecka. Hello, dear friends. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts with today's leading scientific and esoteric experts, supporting the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Elephant in the Living Room, Evolving Animal Relations. It's amazing that many people believe love, compassion, and the ability to grieve is an attribute only people possess. That only humans have a soul, feel pain, or form family bonds. In truth, animals trump humans in all of these categories. If we're to evolve as a species, we first must reunite the wisdom of and grandeur of the circle of life and all of our relations. In this, the animals will be our teachers, if we can change our behavior towards them in time. What do the animals have to teach us about life and love? What have we been overlooking in our arrogance? With us this hour to delve into this most important topic is wildlife photographer Larry Laverty. Following a 30-year career as a Hollywood actor, Larry shifted careers, becoming a professional photographer. 
This change of priorities was out of a lifelong concern for the environment and wildlife conservation. His dedication to elephants grew out of rapidly growing understanding of their gentle nature and mankind's crimes against them. His book, Power and Majesty, is a combination of his longtime passion for photography and writing. Larry holds a B.S. in finance and a B.A. in political science. He supports the work of conservation organizations in Africa through their use of his photographs and ongoing financial contributions. His website, LarryLavertyWildlife.com. Larry, thank you so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Oh, thank you for having me as a guest here, Gwilda. It should, it should be fun what we uncover as we work together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. what caused you to change your life path from a Hollywood actor to professional photographer? Uh, it was a convergence uh, for me of of my process of studying humanity for over 30 years in order to become the best actor I could be with uh, a growing observation of the troubles that mankind was bringing to uh, wildlife in particular around the world. So how did you become involved in uh, wildlife conservation? Uh, well, I guess you. It, there are many aspects to conserving wildlife uh, on this planet and for me it all started when I was uh, somewhere around three or four years old one of my earliest memories my mom uh, insisted on rescuing a dog that had gotten onto the highway here and um, it it left an indelible mark on me that that other beings besides humans um, deserve respect and and need care just as we do so it just kept growing from there, um, at least in my awareness, until I finally started taking action uh, on behalf of the buffalo up in Yellowstone uh, National Park here in the U.S. And uh, that, that was the beginning where it really dawned on me that I was spending my time in a, <laughs> in a less than productive way because entertainment is such a such a consumer item that once people watch a movie or watch TV, then they're on to the next thing, and and only a few few movies or t- or TV shows actually have any kind of significant impact on on the way we choose to live our lives, and and so it it just it was time to change. So I I just uh, it was an easy one, and in fact, because I felt like I'd enjoyed my time. I'd, I'd been more more successful in Hollywood than than many of my class that went in there at the time, and uh, it was it was I was fulfilled. That's great. Do you do you think uh, why do you think that wildlife conservation is so paramount at this particular time in history? Uh, because there's uh, an increasing pressure on those those uh, wild beings that are still with us. As the human population grows uh, around the planet, um, there's just less and less space. There's there's more and more conflict between humans and wildlife, and uh, now is the time if we want to save any space for them to live. And and the parks, uh, as I witness in Africa primarily, I mean, there's there's two different uh, yardsticks you might say for for making this judgment, but. You look at the national parks here in the United States, which is, which, which is a fairly evolved uh, animal, and then you, I look at uh, at Africa, and and I, I come to certain conclusions, and 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 now is the time if if we want elephants and lions and and even grizzly bears uh, with us for future generations, then we've got to start acting right now. It, so yeah, <laughs> it's it's imperative. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I why you know what I've noticed is humans are actually most humans are actually afraid of most wildlife. It's like wildlife has been portrayed for sensationalism and entertainment. Yes, uh, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. A that yeah, a, a lot of truth to that. That that humans are somewhat afraid that's why we've been so uh so active about killing them off we're we're afraid of them uh coming for us or coming for our loved ones or eating the food that we want um so we just do away with them it's it's been going on for centuries and uh 
so uh, yeah, that that fear factor is is very present. So is this the conflict you're speaking about between humans and animals is is the result of this fear, do you think? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Uh, if I was to talk uh, specifically about uh, Africa and the elephants, um, there's a little bit of that fear factor going on because in, in a village in a, in a remote corner of Africa, there's there's no police force to come rescue you or or uh, take care of your food supply. So it it's just on you to make sure that you have food to keep yourself alive. And if a, a hungry elephant happens to come walking by your village or your little plot of land where you're growing your food supply, then uh, you've got a problem on your hands. And and so it, it goes almost past the fear element into some some primal place where you got to get rid of this threat to your life and you'll use any means possible. If, if uh, folks out in the bush of Africa have a gun, they'll use it. If they don't, they and they have a spear, which many do, then they'll use the spear. And a, as a result, uh, many elephants have died. Do you think, though, that the village protecting their food is the largest threat to elephants, or is what else is going on? Uh, in recent, uh, in the last oh, 150 years, the, the biggest threat was uh, the ivory trade. That started off with the, the colonial folks from Europe, primarily, although some from uh, the Arab, what are now the Arab nations, um, going after the elephants just to harvest their ivory tusks, that that was the, the biggest threat. But the population of elephants has been reduced to such a low number now, and and finding an elephant to kill is, is just increasingly difficult. So now it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest threat and the looming one for the uh, distant future is habitat loss and and these direct conflicts when elephants come through uh, a place where people are raising food. Habitat encroachment's huge in the states too. I mean, all of our wildlife is suffering because there's so many of us as people, right? Yeah, we we're sort of the uh, uh, end of the spectrum here in the United States. We've set up side of our uh, national parks. We have them intact, and we we believed that we had put forward a a good effort to preserve the wildlife and the wild spaces. But because uh, the animals that live in these places uh, generally migrate and and take up more space in the search for food and water, we we never did really acknowledge, and and that started with our first, with the world's first national park, that being Yellowstone, the the ecosystem in which all the wild animals live uh, was never really acknowledged. And, and so we created this artificial sanctuary. And, and in the wintertime in particular, when food and water become scarce, especially in that part of the world, then the, the buffalo in particular have to move to lower elevations where they're immediately subject to hunting and, uh, in the case of Yellowstone, culling. Mm. That's you know the ecosystem. That's that's another fascinating factor that we just you know nature has such wisdom in the way she puts things together and how they work together in their seasons, and we're pretty ignorant of that even yet. We keep getting these surprises. Um, do you know anything about what happened in Yellowstone when they reintroduced the wolf? Uh, yes, of course. the The wolves didn't necessarily just stay in Yellowstone, and and so that's led to the ongoing conflict in the surrounding states of Idaho, uh, Montana, and Wyoming, where where there's a, a large uh, livestock industry. And, and of course, uh, wolves will take down uh, cows. And so there's a, there was a fight to uh, bring back the hunt of the wolf, and, which has succeeded. And so this, it's the same thing that the buffalo are facing up there. And, and well, as far as know. I'm we're going to have to take a little we're going to have to take a little break here but i want to uh-huh. pick up with the buffalo and the wolf on the other side of our of our pause okay. larry and larry and i will return shortly so don't go away you're listening to the mission evolution radio show coming to you on the edx zone broadcast network www.xzbn.net 
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Samhain. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiecka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Our special guest this hour is Larry Laverty. His website, larrylavertywildlife.com. Larry, we were just getting into talking about the wolves being reintroduced um, into Yellowstone. And, of course, there we know about all the um, problem with livestock and this and that. But there was also another factor that I, I don't know if you're aware of or not, is that they actually increased, the, because they gleaned the herds of animals, a lot of the grazing came back and uh, a more of a balance to the animals that are in the park. Did you hear about anything about that? Uh, yes, I am not uh, in the immediate scientific community there to comment on that. But one thing I, I do, we do have to acknowledge is that there's a third player involved, and that's uh, humans. So we're determined to manage whatever impact the wolves would have up there. And um, so if the wolves aren't doing their job, then we will, which, which has led to this ongoing culling of the buffalo which actually started back in the days from when the park was first created. It's, it's just a demonstration of the, the determination of human beings to micromanage uh, everything that we do and everywhere that we are. Without the understanding of the entire ecosystem again. Oh, yeah, we could care less. The, the, the main point is commercial value and, and these artificial property lines that have been set up so that the commercial value of the land can be managed. Mm. So what drew you specifically to the African elephant? Uh, what am I? No, what, what drew you specifically to the oh. African elephant? Well, that's, uh, that came out of the blue for me. It's one of those things in your life where your life can just change uh, on a dime. And uh, 
I was I was reading the uh, paper here at home one morning, and I saw that the uh, local zoo. I live a mile from the zoo here, and it. The Oakland Zoo happens to be one of the uh, most respected in the country, and we were the first to pioneer the non-contact management of elephants um, uh, following the the uh, unfortunate death of the elephant keeper that was here at the time. So I was reading, and uh, my first grade teacher, who I'd kept in touch with uh, throughout her life until she passed, was a docent once she completed her career. She was a docent for another 20 years at so that what's, zoo. What's a docent? A, a docent is sort of a facilitator in the learning, the educational aspect uh, of the mission statement for zoos. So they'll, they'll volunteer their time and they'll be on hand at the exhibits to offer what information they have and what observations they've made regarding the behavior of any particular animal that's there. So they're they're actually the the point of contact for for many people who go to zoos. Once you go past the turnstile, um, that's pretty much it. If there's a docent on duty, then that's where you'll where you'll get your information aside from the signage that they have. Oh, she sounds like a lovely lady. Oh, she was. She made it to 100 years old, and she deserved she deserved to have such a long and rich life. But it was because of her that I had an affinity for the zoo, at least a small one. And uh, when I read that they had decided to endorse this first global march for elephants back in 2013, uh, it struck something in me. And I, I, to this day, can't identify what it is. But I, I went to that march. Uh, there, It was held in 50 cities around the world to call attention to the impacts of the ivory trade. And uh, so I went to the nearest one to me, that being in San Francisco. And uh, along with over a thousand other people, uh, we marched uh, several miles. Uh, and and I, I would look around periodically during that march and think, wow, this is the only occasion that I know of where humans will get together and, and protest uh, on behalf of another species. We weren't out there protesting for higher wages or better conditions or against some political activity. We were, we were in a very selfless way out trying to speak our minds that this event, the ivory trade that was going on in the world, was a bad thing, and we wanted to see an end to it. So that, that really kicked me in into, uh, into gear, and so I... Uh, I was just inspired by this uh, act, and, and then I, in the coming days, learned more about what was going on uh, regarding the ivory trade, the supply side and the demand side. And uh, I just got increasingly upset with it all and, and inspired to learn more and more until finally I, was, uh, I found myself an outspoken critic and uh, on social media in particular. And and even when I go to the grocery store, I, I would bring up, and I still do, bring up the conversation. Do you do you know about elephants and uh, and this and that? And but uh, I kept you going. Know, many of us have never even seen an elephant, except well, maybe in a zoo or on television. What can you share about them that's not apparent? Uh, yeah, this is exactly why I, I went to Africa in the first place. I thought I, I was distinctly unqualified to be a spokesman for elephants since I hadn't seen one in the wild, only at the circuses and in the zoo. So uh, I went and uh, at first, uh, you know, it's like anything in life, any relationship, it takes a little bit of time to to get a grasp of what you're seeing and, and what's going on. And, and so for me, when I saw the very first wild elephant, uh, happened to be this uh, beautiful male who was moving over the landscape at a pretty good clip. And um, I just went alongside of him for a while. And he looked like any other other being that has four legs going along, with the exception of his size and the trunk, of course. But then with each time over there, I, I determined to learn more. And the list now, uh, as elephants are different than human beings and and the similarities as well is, is pretty long for me. And so to directly answer your question, I, th I think what what really um, jumped out at me was their 
their ability to love. Um, love and caring is, is how I define the elephant, uh, especially within the family context. How did you um, observe this? You know, how could you tell that they love? It's uh, very similar to human beings. There's a lot of contact, um, generally with the head and the trunk. And, and so there's that. And then, of course, the uh, uh, one, one, one event that really caught me was uh, I came upon, over in Kenya, I came upon this line, this family, family group of elephants on their way somewhere. So I decided to follow them. And um, in the process, uh, I discovered they were heading for this big water hole. So uh, I sat around the water hole. Got, I decided to run ahead and got there a little ahead of the, the entire family. And I watched as the first ones who arrived there lingered around. And instead of being like humans might be, rushing and pushing each other out of the way to get the water first, those who were there first waited until all of the family were there, and then they all drank together. I thought I, I thought the awareness the awareness of their family group and, and their selflessness and their concern for each other's well-being because there's there's never any guarantees that everybody's going to make it to the water hole. There's there's lions along the way. There's physical obstacles, and um, that 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 really uh, that was my first trip over that I witnessed that and then then there's plenty of other demonstrations especially in the raising of of young elephants uh, where the uh, basically the entire family group uh, takes apart all the sisters and the aunts and uncles and grandma and all of them uh, are involved it's not not like we are here in this uh, in the human society where it's pretty much incumbent on the the parent it, there's a there's quite we split up a, as families yes yes exactly uh, and so that's another thing that separates elephants this this structure of of being a primarily female uh, based society in these family groups because the males are are pushed and choose to leave their original family group to go out into the world and that leaves all the uh, women folks there to look after each other. And, and as we know uh, throughout the, the history of life on Earth, I think the more sensible and sensitive uh, beings tend to be the females. And so that's, that's why the, the integrity of love and caring has persisted in, in, the, in the world of elephants. So are the males pushed out uh, kind of like an elk herds as well, so yeah. that the um, uh, for biodiversity? Yeah, that's uh, it's true for for most species, wild species that that that's the case, that uh, it's all the the greater picture, as you mentioned early on in our conversation here, that nature knows best and 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 Mother Nature's been working at this long before man came along. So that, that there's no of that no interbreeding and 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 the the basic energy that older males will bring to a community, that that is pushed off uh, for the well-being of the entire species. I understand that uh, we're about out of time in the segment, but I understand that the females will surround one giving birth to protect the calf. Uh, yeah, I have not. Uh, seen a birth myself I have that's one of the things I've been dying to see uh, but yeah. I can't I can't speak to that uh, directly I I do know that uh, frequently during um, matings which I've seen quite a few of that the 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 family group will once the act has been taken care of then they'll gather around it's as if they're all saying celebrating are you, are you okay and yeah how <laughs> oh. you doing <laughs> <laughs> well we have to take another quick pause larry and i will return to our discussion shortly so you stay right there this is the mission evolution radio show we're coming to you on the exxon broadcast network www.xzbn.net Whether you're
you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with Larry Laverty, his website, larrylavertywildlife.com. Larry, let's talk a little bit about what does our relationship with the animals, and particularly the elephant, have to do with evolving as human beings? You say the human ability to save elephants reflects the ability to save our own humanity. Would you please go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, first I, I have to look at the definition of evolution, and you, I think as human beings we we jump to the conclusion that if if we're evolving, then we're improving. It's it's a, a false assumption as far as I can see, and so we we have to really pay more attention as a as a species as to what we're calling evolution and how we're doing it, and. Along the way, that involves uh, how we're relating to the the wildlife and the wild lands that we've allowed to continue. So, if we're going to evolve, it doesn't it really mean uh, coming into a more completeness or a more more wholeness, which would involve all of our uh, relations. Well, I guess uh, again, you have to what 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 is meant by completeness and wholeness. Uh, generally, human beings are are pretty self-oriented and and what's in it for me oriented, uh, and, and that usually doesn't uh, accommodate what's going to be best for for wild places and and wildlife. So that's what needs that's what the definition. Even though uh, the United States in particular and Canada as well and parts of Europe have have done done their token best to set aside uh, places, reserves, where the wild wild uh, way of being was when we first discovered it. But just the way we've chosen to manage these parks, these places, is, is pretty indicative of, of what's going on and how uh, in the bigger picture we're, we are in fact relating to the, to the rest of the world. What role do elephants play in Africa's biodiversity? Uh, I, in uh, one time in Zimbabwe, I met a uh, a park worker, and he was complaining of how 
the elephants were destroying uh, the park. And I could tell that he had some some definition of the park in his mind that might represent something like Central Park in New York City or something, where every tree and every bush was manicured and looked nice. And that was that was the place from where he was making his judgments that that elephants and other animals should not be altering the landscape. But elephants being elephants, they're the biggest living land animal on Earth. They uh, they need a lot of food, and in order to get that food, they they have to upset the 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 landscape a little bit. Whether they're going for roots or or branches of trees or where, wherever they're sourcing their food, they will they will do what they have to do to get what they want. And in the process, they can knock down. Uh, I uh, again in Zimbabwe, I watched this one. In in my book, I uh, I titled a chapter "Dozer" for representing bulldozer. This this elephant, uh, just in the span of about ten minutes, knocked down four or five trees, and these were sizable trees. He he wanted to get to the roots, so he knocked these trees down, and I just watched him lean into them and just one after another until he found just <laughs> just the right route that he wanted, but. In the process of this destruction, and to the dismay of the the park worker, he was he was doing the park and all the other wildlife there a favor by doing by keeping vegetation uh, under control. Otherwise, I've been to other parts of of Africa where the elephants have been uh, well, they're basically under uh, local extinction, where they've been hunted out. They're no longer there, and the and the uh, all the vegetation has has reached this dense place where it's difficult for wildlife to move around and 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 in so doing that it becomes difficult for for the wildlife to find food and water so elephants are are sort of known as this keystone species around which uh, an ecosystem um, revolves by by nature of of their ability to keep the vegetation managed and it's so sad that we don't recognize these things until after the fact when you know they're extinct in an area. Yeah, and of course, uh, again, it all comes back to uh, to to the commercial value of the land as humans deem it. And there was there was this one great uh, event over in Africa um, where uh, the col- the colonials decided we want to we want to we have all this land. Let's uh, let's grow some peanuts here. They, and, and in Africa, the the plantations, as you might call them, are are pretty sizable. So in order to uh, to do that, to grow all these peanuts, they had to first get rid of all the wild animals, because they knew that the wild animals would probably come and eat the peanuts once they were grown. So hunters were brought in, and all of the animals were killed off, including countless elephants. And and the result of this great uh, event was that that the colonials neglected to think ahead of time about their source of water and so they planted all their peanuts and and i believe it was just in the first season alone that they determined we can't get enough water to these peanuts and they walked away Mm, and left nothing but dead land and dead animals dead land and dead animals and and in my travels throughout africa i've come upon places that just feel have that feel that that I can imagine with my with the knowledge that I have and what I've seen, I can imagine a certain landscape teeming with all sorts of the the whole spectrum of of wildlife. But because of the presence of man, there's nothing there. There's there's just a, an odd landscape of of trees that don't necessarily belong and, and shrubbery that's that's taken over. Mm. Would you outline for us what all has played a part in putting the elephant in danger of extinction? What are all the factors? Well, the uh, the immediate factor that comes to mind is uh, the human population, and and uh, every problem that the elephants face, um, at, at least as far as uh, human history. Uh, can determine is all their problems have been brought by humans. And so initially, 
there was a at least as the best we can tell there was a there was a harmony there was a uh, a balance between the human populations of that that being the the native africans and the elephants and at that time the elephant population grew to somewhere between 20 and 27 million so they were common and and the native folks uh just acknowledged their place in the balance of things. But then uh, when the colonials came, uh, starting uh, about 200 years ago, and, and decided that Africa was this place where we should harvest uh, and, and, as usual, use to our benefit in every way possible, then uh, the elephants started taking a hit, and that was uh, primarily for ivory, for their ivory, because there was... It was determined that there was a, a great use for this ivory. You could sculpt it. It was a, it was like wood, but had this beautiful white and and other qualities to it. And so the colonials started things off on a bad foot by harvesting millions of of elephants. And then once the colonials uh, backed off of that, the the locals started. Uh, meeting the supply, uh, pr primarily for Asia, but also for Europe and the United States uh, along the way. But the most recent, the most recent chapter of the ivory trade has been conducted almost extensively by, or exclusively by the uh, local native Africans, and then funneling their ivory to the folks of Asia. Well, it looks like we go, go back full circle. It has to do with fear and greed, doesn't it? Fear of lack and greed. Yeah, there's a, there's a, both are definitely going on. And it's, uh, it's challenging for people who care about elephants uh, and wildlife in particular, because it's not just the elephants that are suffering from uh, mankind over there. The, the lions are on the brink. And, and a lot of this, uh, thank goodness that, that people have spoken out about the elephants and the ivory trade. And, and so I, I think that's, uh, it's certainly more under control than it was when it was at its height. But um, what, what has not been acknowledged is all the other species that are, that are on the brink of possible extinction also. And that's the iconic lion. And, and of course the giraffes. And you, you can just go down the line of every iconic uh, animal in Africa, and they're they're all suffering these cataclysmic declines in population. And what do you, and, what do you mean by iconic? I'm sorry. Well, these are the like when we think of Africa, we think of what we've seen on TV and in movies, and of course with the latest Lion King coming out, we we think of we think of elephants, we think of lions, we may maybe we think of rhinos, uh, giraffes, uh, the most common. So icon. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay, I see. And and so these 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 are all. Uh... Well, it's time for another commercial break, Larry. Larry <laughs> and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, 
Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To suggest a topic or guest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Larry Laverty. His website, larrylavertywildlife.com. Larry, what is the social disruption elephants are experiencing due to poaching practices? Uh, that's a that's a long story. <laughs> we could we could take an hour just talking about the impact of humans uh, on elephants through poaching, but um, primarily it's it in Africa both the female and male adult elephants will have uh, significant tusks generally, although there are some genetic there are actually a number of genetic exceptions to that where there's tuskless adult elephants, but so. In, in the past, uh, the poachers uh, don't discriminate between male and female and uh, frequently will take out uh, a female mother, leaving uh, her little baby there. Uh, if, if the baby is lucky, 
uh, still alive to witness the death of its mother and um, then to determine its own survival, which is slim to nil. So it just cuts to the heart of the fabric of of elephant life when when uh, a, a female in particular is taken down. And, and of course, when the males are taken down, that interrupts their circle because once elephants leave their uh, original families, they go out and they have social lives with other males out, out uh, roaming the bush. And so their fabric, their, their knowledge that they then have to pass down to the next generation of young males that once they leave their original families, they, they learn from the older males. And if the older males, especially in areas where poaching has been at high levels, <coughs> excuse me, then then the chain of knowledge is broken. So those are the two most prominent, uh, the, the caring for the young and the, uh, the, the, the knowledge that, that's lost of, of where, where water holes are and where, where food is most plentiful. These are, these are things that elephants uh, file away in their, in their intelligence and, and, it, and it's interrupted when, when populations are hit hard. How, how do we know they do that? How do we know they file it away and share the knowledge? Because there are plenty of uh, scientists uh, that have been living out with elephants. Uh, I happened to come up across a fellow in uh, Tanzania. He, he, I, I saw him in a most remote place, and I, thought, I, I couldn't imagine. I, he, he looked out of place. I couldn't imagine what he was doing out there. And he said that he had come there working he was from uh, the uk and he was uh, had done his uh, graduate project with the elephants and he had fallen in love with them as many many people who who go to africa for science do and so he just stayed and uh so it's through people like him who day after day after day are with the elephants year after year they're they're not just living with them they're studying them intensely and I did my best to to do this in the months that I've been out with them. But when you're talking about 5, 10, 15, 20 years of every single day, you're out there witnessing the behavior. It's no different than uh, in our families. We know we know exactly what our spouses are going to do and how they're thinking or for the most part. And, and the same uh, with our children and just from being with them, you you get a pretty good read, and so that's 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 where our knowledge has come from. Do you think that we're projecting our traits onto them, or do you think that they're displaying them better than we do? <laughs> There's a little of both going on, uh, but yes, there there is of course uh, in everything that humans do that that tendency to want to or tendency to project um, our judgment systems on onto what we're seeing, but it's it's just uh, true across the board uh, in terms of studying life, whether you're talking human beings or orangutans or or whatever kind of animal, that, that there are certain behaviors that are just undeniable. So uh, I think the conclusions that have been made are, are fairly objective ones. How does the preservation of the African elef elephant directly impact the future of all wife wildlife in Africa? Well, for that matter, in the world. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if if we can't save the remaining elephants, and and there's now less than half a million, uh, that down from the 20 to 27 million that were alive uh, just 200 years ago, then uh, then we're in trouble, and 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 it also doesn't bode well for for human beings. And I think I think that's what uh, when you're operating in a vacuum, as the population, the human populations of Africa have been doing and continue, then then eventually you're going to run up against a, a, a trouble that that will just alter you in a way that there's no turning back from. And so the the biggest issue is the the growth of the human the human beings in Africa is uh, I mean if we just take the one little country of Nigeria, which is uh, about the size of Texas here in the United States, that country in, um, I, 
let's see, five or 10 years, I think it is from now, we'll have the same population as the entire United States. Good grief. And that gives that just if you if you use that as a as a yardstick, and then then you then you take a look at the rest of Africa, the the the, the reproductive rates of humans is astounding. Where on average, most countries, uh, each mother gives birth to four to six children, and and having ten children is not uncommon. My goodness, that adds so, up fast, doesn't it? So it adds up fast, and 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 of course, the populations uh, are are not able to create the lives that are necessary for these new children born, at least in terms of 21st century standards. And so that's where the the problems for the remaining wildlife lie. That um, there there's just an increasing need for more and more land to raise livestock, to raise crops. And um, the conflicts, it's, the, the, yes, education has improved significantly throughout Africa, thanks, thanks uh, almost entirely to the impacts of the colonials. That's one positive uh, that can be said for the, the impact of the colonial uh, powers in Africa, that they brought education, organized education, uh, but Utilizing that education uh, for the benefit of all, including wildlife, is something that that's uh, that's still in the works. Larry, what's the most profound thing you've learned from animals? Uh, <laughs> I I have a a constant battle, a daily battle, not not being jaded, not not looking at not looking at humanity. Uh, only in terms of all of our ills and the the negative impacts that we bring to the planet. I, I grow I, I live I grew up and live in this in a in a sizable urban area with significant challenges uh, in terms of economics, in terms of race. And I I look at the simplicity of of wildlife and I think their their main objective is to have enough food and to have enough water and, and some security. Those are, those are what they're after. And, and somehow with all of the complications that human beings have managed to bring into our own lives, um, the, some fundamental, fundamental values and um, realities are, are in jeopardy of being lost uh, possibly forever. Well, we have about one minute left. It's time mm. has flown. Um, if you were to leave our listeners with one message about human-animal relations, what would it be? Uh, I'll just echo what you have said, that, that we are fully capable of learning so much from animals, whether they're domestic or wild, it doesn't matter, uh, just by observing them, that if we take the time to divorce ourselves from the lives that we've created, which are so fast-paced and set around certain objectives. If we took that time, we'd be far better off as a, as a species. The human race uh, has some, some challenges coming up uh, over the rest of this century, significant, significant ones. And so how we go about addressing those challenges can be improved. Uh, in the process of appreciating the life that's around us, the wildlife around us. Do you think that also involves uh, starting to really pay attention to the way life works together? Yeah, that's, uh, again, so many things are lost when, when greed, when selfishness, when the commercial value of anything is the focus. And so if, if we can, if we could, uh, see past that, then we'd be in a much better place. We, as a as a group, it's it's not it's not enough just to have the latest iPhone, or to have a big screen TV, or to have a big SUV. It's the that that's the focus. This economic society well, that we live in is 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 our biggest challenge. Our own accomplishments are our biggest challenge. Well, again, time has flown and now we're out of it. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Wilda. Thank you for having the talk with me. 
It's been a pleasure. Our guest this hour has been wildlife photographer and the author of Power and Majesty, Larry Laverty. His website, LarryLavertyWildlife.com. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. Thank you.